Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and the beginning of verse 2 from the message. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this, says Paul. This is the fourth talk in the series that we're doing on simplicity, and I've entitled it Travel Light. Now, in the early 80s, Gail and I came over to the UK. We were, I was coming for a job interview, and we were coming for a good period of time. Uh, the details are not important. What is important for this story is that we had, up until that point, neither of us traveled overseas, and we were going to be well prepared. We had so much luggage that we were completely encumbered with lumbering huge suitcases. I was busy studying. I brought half the books in my course with me. I was intending to work while we were over here, uh, plus various accoutrements that we had slung all over us. We lumbered through every place that we had to go with all these huge things that we had. It was a nightmare, and I still remember um, both Gail and I running for the train, uh, London to Oxford, and only just making it because we were dragged back by all the stuff that we were trying to keep keep and get on board. And when you go into the airport and you see people leaving on holiday, they take everything and the kitchen sink, it seems, and we all do it. But that's in many ways an image of the kind of life that we lead. We always making sure that we have more than we need. We always make sure that we've got lots of stuff and we gather stuff around us. And the same thing happens to us, not only in terms of the um, physical things that we've got, and we looked at that a couple of weeks ago about having less stuff, but it's also about the accumulation of things that are are within our souls. Some of them are actually inherited through the culture that we're born into. Some of them because of the experiences of life that we have. That's why last week um, I used um, Bishop Tutu's No um, Future Without uh, Forgiveness and twisted it slightly, saying there's no freedom without forgiveness because unless we deal with our inner demons, we are actually not free. And Paul is explicit in saying that it's about freedom. Jesus set us free. He came to remove the slavery that, that encumbers us and lumbers us with all the, the baggage of life to set us free, to live as free people. And he said, I'm emphatic about this. No laws, no rules. It's grace and love and mercy. That's what God is about. Now, in Luke chapter 9, and we've looked at this before in the past, but I want to pose a different question out of it um, around this thought. It says in Luke chapter 9 verse 1, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and then he gives them more instructions. But it's this thought that I want to look at, and Eugene Peterson in um, the message says it kind of explicitly. He says, 
Jesus now called the twelve and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. He said, don't load yourselves with the equipment. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. And no luxury ends. Get a modest place. And so it continues. And he's saying, don't take too much stuff. Don't actually accumulate stuff for the journey, for this work of mission that you're going to be sent on. You don't need elaborate stuff, lots of stuff. Get rid of it. And I think here was Jesus sending his um, disciples, uh, the 12 of them, that he's sending out as his base community, his core group. And the first task that he gives them, and he says, he says it to them explicitly, absolutely explicitly, don't get weighed down with excess baggage. Keep it simple. And I was just ruminating about this and wondering, what do you think? Is Jesus trying to give them a lesson, a practical, physical lesson about how to work and walk through life? Just as part of what we're looking at here. Because just before that, in Luke chapter 8, there's a really interesting passage that we've looked at from various angles in the past. I want to come at it again today in a slightly different um, vein. But it's the story of the Gazarene demoniac, as we call it. And I want to say, pose the question, I suppose, this here. As men and women who follow Jesus, how can we be truly free? How can we pass on that kind of freedom that we're supposed to have to the people around us, the world that we live in? So Luke 8, from verse 26, it says, Then they arrived at the country of the Gezerines, which is opposite Galilee. And as he stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he lived not in a house, but amongst the tombs. Here is a picture of a man who lives with the dead. He is living amongst the dead. He isn't civilized. He runs around naked. Um, and as we'll see as we read now, the community that he is supposedly part of is comfortable with the fact that he lives out there. And to a large extent, I, I think perhaps so is he. Because Jesus comes to him and we're told, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And he said in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. So he approaches Jesus. There's something about Jesus that uh, draws him. But the unfreedom that he has is the only world that he knows. And so there's this whole question that he poses to Jesus. Don't torment me. Often we feel more comfortable with the status quo. Um, the children of Israel were in Egypt in slavery for hundreds of years. And just the status quo continues. And I think in our own lives we content with the status quo. And sometimes we have adapted ourselves to, to live in a kind of slavery that is comfortable. Because freedom really means we have to assume responsibility for who we are. We take responsibility for our actions, our thoughts, our motives, our values. 
That's what it is to be free. And we are enslaved because we like to be, because we want to be able to blame somebody else. And I'm not going to go into the whole blame culture that we live in, but it's much easier to blame somebody than to take responsibility for the way that we live. And this evil spirit had possessed this man for a long time. He was bound in chains and, and, and really um, people tried to keep him and the kind of situation that was there under control. Jesus then asks him, what is your name? And he says, Legion. And really, essentially, this means that evil has many faces and it's very hard sometimes to give it a concrete name. The kind of slavery that we're in is sometimes so ubiquitous that we cannot actually see it. It's like the fish in the water. And so the demons begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. And then it says this. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these. So this was a pig region. That's the economy. They were um, pig farmers. And so Jesus gave them leave. Then the demons came out the man and entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told all the city and the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus. They f and when they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone from sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now, perhaps you would expect him to say, oh, this is fantastic. Here's a person who's been healed. Here's someone who's been restored, set free, delivered. But verse 35 says, and they were afraid. I'm not going to go into the whole thing of codependency, but there is a sense sometimes in which both parties, the oppressor and the oppressed, often maintain the status quo because it's just so much easier and there's a relationship that develops in that situation. But the eyewitnesses have come to the man, have come to the city and, and reported how the man is healed and then the whole crowd has come out from the region and they beg Jesus to leave their territory. The whole city in effect says to Jesus, get out of here, you've ruined our economy, that you've messed things up. The whole status quo is they're not worried about salvation. They're not worried about the uh, fact that this man has been restored. It's about how the status quo has been upended. And then the man from whom the demons had gone begs Jesus and says to him, can I f join you and follow you? And you would have expected, I suppose, Jesus to say, yes, do that, because he'd done it with the disciples that he had around him. But he says to him, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Few of us, I think, are ready for the kind of demands that real freedom places upon us. As long as you keep things roughly as, as they are, we want to have our comfort and we want to have things the way that we like them. But we end up being comfortable, like this man, amongst the tombs, in a kind of bondage that is just ongoing, and maybe even genteel, but nevertheless there. And I think 
we've said it before, and I've said it through this year, actually, that spirituality, all spirituality, is about letting go. All spirituality is about reduction, subtraction, not addition. And I think when it comes to freedom, it's like Gail and I were the suitcases. If we had simply left three quarters of what we had uh, carried with us on the plane over here, we would have had an, an infinitely better experience of the whole process. The trip would have been totally different. And sometimes we can't see because our current reality is the one that we know. But there is so much that God is calling to us to do that seems counterintuitive. And freedom is one of those things that we are called to. Paul makes it explicit. Jesus said when he's talking to the, um, the Jewish disciples and he says to them, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's in a conversation in John chapter 8 where he's talking to them about Abraham and being children of Abraham. But he's saying truth sets you free. The Son is the one who sets you free. And if that happens, you're free indeed. But with that freedom comes the responsibility to, like the man who is set free in our story in Luke 8, to go and live in a way that is congruent with our freedom. Travel light. Traveling light is essentially about divesting ourselves not only of the, the stuff that we carry and have accrued in our Western culture, but of all the kind of um, difficult things that have um, developed and um, grown up around us and in us. Simplicity is not easy. Freedom is not easy. And so we often would rather not face this and look at it and live this. Thoreau said, a person is rich in proportion to the things that he can leave alone. And traveling light is about not just having a, a divesting of our physical things, but of learning to get rid of all the stuff that weighs us down and stops us from, from living a life of joy and peace and love. So here are the questions that I want us to just think of as we look at these two passages from Luke 8 and 9. How free am I actually? The first question. And then these two questions that we asked as we started to look at Luke 8. How can we in the church be set free? How can we as followers of Jesus live in freedom? And how then, third question, do we help others? begin to live in that kind of freedom. See you on Sunday.